taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress. To the city point, giving him your best, nothing like the rest, passing every test. You know he's the one, yeah. Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress. To the city point, giving him your best, nothing like the rest, passing every test. You know he's the one, yeah. Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress. To the city point. Give him your best, nothing like the rest, passing every test. You know he's the one, yeah. So now Teddy is about to bring the word. Looking forward to it. Um, it is a uh, message on thankfulness and gratitude out of Philippians. And so Teddy will bless you. Teddy is the lead pastor of the Empowerment Church, and he is also team chaplain for the Chicago Bears. And he's a product of City Point Community Church. He is my mentee. He is a son of this church. He is family to so many folks that have been a part of this church for a long time, even back when he was here. And uh, and yeah, so let's uh, let's jump in and let's uh, let's hear this word from. Him. He preaches a little bit longer than I typically do, but stick with him. He's uh, he, he's he's going somewhere. He's got a good word. All right. See y'all on the other side. Peace. What's up, family? Good Sunday morning to you if you're watching it live. Good day to you if you're watching this back. So grateful to have you online with us today. Listen, it's game day. It's the Sunday after Thanksgiving. I'm just grateful for you making a decision to watch and worship together with us wherever you may be. I don't take for granted, nobody takes for granted the fact that you chose to give up your time right now, especially if you're watching this live, to get a word from the Lord. It's my privilege. For those who don't know who I am, my name is Teddy Matthews. I have the privilege of serving as the pastor of a spiritual family called Empowerment. Game days mean a little bit more for me than it does for some of y'all who don't care anything at all about the sport. But it doesn't mean as much to me <laughs> as it means to some of you all who will go all in about this sport. But I also have the privilege of serving as the chaplain for the Chicago Bears. Today is a game. So what I want you to do is this. I want to ask you to be in prayer with us for the team for victory on and off the field. I have the privilege. I get to serve in multiple capacities in some, some different places. And it's a, it's a gift from God. And whenever I get the chance, I ask as many people as I can. Yeah, I want you praying for me. Yes, I want you praying for my church family. I also want you praying for the families of the team, the people who are affected by everything that happens. Sometimes we only see them as numbers, we see them as athletes on a field, but these are men behind these uniforms that have families, that have so many things happening. So we're praying for victory on the field. I know I am. Believing God's going to continue to do a mighty work there. But then I also want you praying with me for victory off the field. And we believe that God can and will do wonders in their lives. Now here it is, as you're praying for others, I want to believe this. I want to believe that as you're praying for them, I want you to I want you to know this, that we're praying that God will do the same in your life. That he'll give you victory professionally, but also give you victory personally. That's that's my conviction. You don't have you do not have to lose your castle while you're building an empire. You don't have to become, you don't have to lose your sanity on your pursuit to success. You can experience both. It's my undeniable conviction. It's what I teach them. It's what I teach empowerment. It's what I want to teach any of you catching this right now. All right? So here it is. I, I got a message today. I, I, it's game day, so I promise I won't be long. I'm going to get on, out of your way. I know some of you all are trying to catch the game and have things to do. Uh, and uh, listen, I just feel like there's a word that the Lord has really burdened my heart with. 
and uh, I want to be sure to get it out to you. So do me a favor in the chat. I want you to engage in the chat today. I want you to hit that share button. Hit it, hit it, hit it. Invite somebody. Let's make sure that the people who need to see this are hearing this and seeing this. Your shares help make that happen. You texting to somebody else helps make that happen. All right. So there's a word that I want to look at in Philippians chapter number four. Philippians chapter number four. Philippians chapter number four. Philippians 4. Here it is. So, Lord, we thank you for this day. I, I pray you would think with my mind and speak with my mouth. That which I'm planning to say, I pray you would give. That which I'm not supposed to say, I pray you would take it away. Allow this to be another demonstration of your ability to speak to us individually while also speaking to us collectively. So grateful. So thankful. Have your way in our lives. Leave us changed, charged, and challenged. All for your honor. All for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, listen. Philippians chapter 4. Begin reading begin reading at verse number four, Philippians four, begin reading at verse number four. I'm actually going to read it in, I read it first, I'm going to read it in the Amplified Bible, that's okay, Amplified Bible, Philippians four, Amplified Bible. Rejoice in the Lord always, it says delight, gladden yourselves in him, again I say rejoice. Let all men know and perceive and recognize your unselfishness, your considerateness, your forbearing spirit. The Lord is near, he's coming soon. Don't fret or have any anxiety about anything. But in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. And God's peace shall be yours, that tranquil state of soul assured of its salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God and being content in his earthly lot, whatever that sort is, that peace, that peace transcends all understanding, shall guard and mount over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. For the rest, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is worthy of reverence, honorable, seemingly, whatever is just, pure, whatever is lovely and lovable, ever kind and gracious, if there's anything of virtue and excellence, think on these things. It says it in, in uh, NLT, it says it this way. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. And, um, again, I say rejoice. Let it be considerate in all that you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you heard and received from me. Everything you heard from me, saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Family, listen. Have you ever had? a wheel alignment. Now, some of you all may not be drivers, but some of you have heard of a wheel alignment before. A wheel alignment, also known as a car or front end alignment, is often overlooked, but it is a critical adjustment that is performed to ensure your vehicle tracks straight and true as you cruise down the road. A wheel alignment proves to us that the ability of a car, truck, or SUV to operate properly has to have a balancing act that depends on the right combination of power, acceleration, steering, and braking. 
For your car to function effectively as possible, it requires proper alignment specifications and well-maintained components. The tires, the steering, the mechanisms, the absorbers, the springs must work properly with each other for continued reliable service. Simply put, a vehicle that is out of alignment means that your wheels are pointing in different directions, causing other problems in your vehicle. I want to ask you a question today. Are you out of alignment? Yeah, today's title of my message is a question for your consideration. Are you out of alignment? You see, when your wheels are out of alignment, it can cause uneven tire wear, unforeseen acceleration at times, and causing the vehicle to pull to the left or to the right. This is something that is easily correctable by the proper mechanic who knows what they're doing. But poor alignment can cause premature tire wear. It can cause suspension failure. It can cause unsafe operation. It can cause excessive steering. It can cause driver fatigue and more. Because when you're out of wheel alignment, you are continually having to focus on things you would not normally have to focus on because the vehicle does not normally veer the directions in which it veers when it's out of alignment. So you're having to work harder to go to not necessarily go any further. You're having to work. You're having to work harder and not because you're making more progress. A proper wheel alignment will keep your vehicle in the right lane, but having a wheel alignment means your car will keep trying to go into the wrong lane. And I wonder today if anybody can relate to feeling like your life keeps drifting, to feeling like your mind is all over the place, to feeling like things are just out of control, to feeling like things just can't get any better, to feeling like, oh, M to the G, to just feeling like you stuck, you stagnant, you on a, you're on a hamster's wheel, you're feeling like you're in a cycle that just will not cease. Is there anybody that says, man, you know what? I never realized it, but it's possible. I'm out of alignment. The dangers of bad wheel alignment are this. Several issues can arise when you're driving with bad wheel alignment. If you don't address it promptly, you'll have uneven tire wear, additional suspension stress, difficulty steering, and reduced fuel economy, meaning you won't last as long on the road. Are some of you experiencing the fatigue you're experiencing? because you're out of alignment are you are you going through another degree of emotional exhaustion because you haven't checked your alignment lately are you going through uneven wear on your mind your body and your spirit maybe even on your finances because you haven't checked your alignment Are you experiencing additional suspension stress stuff that you're trying to hold together is becoming more complex because you are out of alignment. A minor alignment issue can quickly become a major repair bill. And as you pick up speed on the highway, a slight misalignment can cause suddenly for your vehicle to start veering in a different direction. Alignment. The definition of alignment is is the act of a state of being aligned. It's the proper positioning to a thing. 
It is the altering of what was out of a, what was misplaced. It is addressing what was incorrect. It is changing what needs to be addressed. It is transforming that which would have been otherwise untouched. And I came today to let you and I know that all of us will hit seasons of life where we need to check our alignment. That just because you were good in one season does not mean you're good in the next. <laughs> Can I be even more honest with somebody? Just pull your seat in. Amen. For the person who's listening in the room while somebody else is watching this right now, I'm talking to you and them too. <laughs> that it's possible to be in alignment today and out of alignment by the end of the week if you don't learn to pay attention to what's going on with you. Life has a way. Circumstances have a way. Your past has a way. Your problems have a way. People have a way of getting in the way of your alignment. You see, sometimes it's your past because you were doing good and then your past started calling you. Sometimes you're making progress and then your fam the familiarity and the comfort from the past seems to be more convenient than you continuing to do new things. Sometimes it's problems, the situations and circumstances that you're facing and the storms of life that just keep raging somehow shift you from your focus on God and your belief in God to now you begin to doubt God. The People in your life can have a way of making you feel like you are less than what you believed you were. And I think I've taught you all this before that sometimes it's not, it's not a lack of value from you, but it's a lack of vision from them. They don't see the value you have. And because you value people who are visionless, you now believe you don't have value that you have. And it's because you aren't in alignment with God. So you're not listening when God is trying to remind you that you are fearful and wonderfully made when he's reminding you you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood his own special people when he's reminding you I knew what I was doing when I made you I knew what I was doing in such a way that in Jeremiah 29 11 I told you through telling the prophet Jeremiah before I even formed you I knew you before I ordained you I knew you I knew what I was doing before your mama and your daddy knew what they were doing I knew what I was doing and because we've allowed visionless people to determine our value now you've gotten your life out of alignment. This isn't what I actually wanted to talk about, especially this part where I'm about to get to right here, but I feel something on this right here that somebody needs to know. I don't have time to stay at this point long, so just pick it up if it's for you, and if it's not, just write it down because I'm sure you'll come back and need it later. Here goes some, some of the issue with our alignment is your alignment needs to be put in the right place because you are allowing the wrong people to align you. So if you go to the wrong mechanic for a wheel alignment, but that mechanic don't know what they're doing. Not only will they not fix the problem, they have a chance of doing more damage than it was when you first came in. And some of you all, instead of going back to God for alignment, you've been going to visionless people. You've been going to damaged goods. <laughs> 
You've been asking people who don't trust God to help you grow in God. You've been asking people who might say that they're Christians, but they don't live like Christ to help you understand how you walk this life out. And here's what I came to get behind this camera, to let you know, to let me know, to serve as a reminder to all of us that it is time for us to get in alignment. I believe when Paul writes in Philippians chapter four, he's writing to the believers to, in, 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 at the church of Philippi to let them know in chapter number four, listen, y'all, there are some things that you need to master, but he lets them know in chapter four, you can't master these things here that will lead you to alignment until you release the things he talked about in chapter three that take you out of alignment. You see, in chapter three, he lists his track record. He lists his resume. He lists his accomplishments. He talks about some of the things that he has seen. He describes some of the things that he has encountered. And he says, listen, no, he says, I don't, he says, I want to make it clear. I've experienced all this stuff. I've seen all this stuff, but I'm saying all this, not that I have already obtained. Instead, I'm going to forget that thing, those things which lie behind, and I'm going to press, I'm going to reach ahead for that which lies ahead. And some of us are out of alignment because we keep going backwards instead of beginning to move forward. You hear? Paul says in chapter three, you got to learn how to let go of some things that don't matter so that in chapter four, I can introduce you to the things that do matter. That, that if you are going to bring your life into alignment, rather, here goes another way of thinking of it, if you're going to allow God to keep your life in alignment, if you're going to allow God to keep your life in alignment, there are some things that you have to do to become aligned. If God is going to keep you in alignment, there are some things you must do to remain in alignment. And in chapter four of Philippians, we see some things. Here it is. I won't stay with you long. It's game day. It's the Sunday after Thanksgiving. And listen, I know what the truth of the matter is. Most of y'all don't want to hear a message that talks about this anyway. But I believe that God has something to say to us all individually and to say to us collectively about us coming into alignment. Here it is. If we're going to come into alignment, we must possess an attitude of gratitude. Coming into alignment requires an attitude of gratitude. Rev, what does that mean? Pastor T, what does that mean? Teddy, what does that mean? An attitude of gratitude. Well, Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, verse number 4, and first of all, he says this, rejoice in the Lord always. He doesn't say rejoice in the Lord sometimes. He does not say rejoice in the Lord periodically. He does not say rejoice in the Lord when you feel like it. He says rejoice in the Lord always. That there is always a reason and a rationale to rejoice in the Lord. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but I want to make a statement to you. Three words. One punctuation mark. You ready? Write this down. Type this down for those who take notes. God is faithful, period. God is faithful, period. That God is not attempting to become faithful. That God doesn't have to do anything new to be faithful. That God, who is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, is faithful. That he was faithful in the beginning. He was faithful in your past. He'll be faithful in your present. 
and he'll lead you faithfully in your future because God is faithful, period. The Bible doesn't say that God will try to become near. It says that if you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. It doesn't say that he may be near to the brokenhearted. It says that he is near the brokenhearted. It doesn't say that he may. I'm getting ahead of myself, but let me, are you picking up what I'm putting down? Here's what the Bible, it, it says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. It doesn't say that joy might come because God got to try and do something new. It says that weeping may endure for a night, but you can count on joy coming. Because God is faithful. He says that those who sow in tears, they will reap in joy because God is faithful, period. Am I making sense? Like, I want to be super clear. So an attitude of gratitude is based on not my circumstances. An attitude of gratitude is based on my Christ. An attitude of gratitude is based on how I see God. An attitude of gratitude is not based on how I see stuff. An attitude of gratitude is based on where I look. An attitude of gratitude is based on what I'm listening to. An attitude of gratitude is not based upon my facts. An attitude of gratitude is based upon my faith. Am I making sense? Philippians 1, I mean, uh, Psalm 121 says, I will lift my eyes to the hills from which comes my help, knowing that all of my help comes from the Lord. The Lord who is the maker and sustainer of everything. The Lord who put the moon in the sun by the moon in the sky by day, the, 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 the sun in the sky by day, and the moon in the sun by the moon in the sky by night. The Lord who watches over me, who neither slumbers nor sleeps. An attitude of gratitude allows me to hear something like rejoice in the Lord always and be like, wait a minute, he, he is worthy of rejoicing. Doesn't mean my circumstance is always worthy of rejoicing, but the Lord is always worthy of me rejoicing. God didn't change because my circumstance did. God didn't change because problems came. God didn't change because the wind started blowing. And, I, and somebody needs to understand that, that some of us are out of alignment because we have allowed the enemy to manipulate us into thinking that because the circumstances externally have changed, that it means my internal disposition has to alter. My internal disposition of joy does not have to change because my external circumstances are seemingly moving around me. I actually don't have control over as many of my external circumstances as I think I do. What I do have is control over the internal things that I'm thinking, processing, and believing. And some of you all are saying, Rev, where'd you pull that from? I'm glad you asked. Philippians chapter number four, verse number four. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. He writes in 1 Thessalonians 5 that we ought to, that we ought to give thanks in all things, for this is the will of God concerning you. He says, he says, here it is. You need to rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll tell you again, rejoice. He's saying, just in case you didn't catch me the first time when I said rejoice, I'm going to tell you again, rejoice. I don't want you to rejoice because everything is good. I want you to rejoice because God is good. There's a difference. Yeah, you can't always rejoice because of your circumstances. Your disposition can't be based upon your circumstances. Your disposition must be, must, must be based upon the conviction that God is God. Can I tell you what separates the believer from the unbeliever? And it should be our conviction about God. <laughs> yeah, so, so yes, I believe that God sent me a savior to die so that I could have life and life eternal. And yes, I am grateful for eternal salvation. 
And yes, I am grateful that when I die, I will go to heaven. And I am also grateful that the God I serve said he sent down his savior. He sent down his son in the form of a savior who in John 10, 10 said, I came so you would have life and life more abundantly. I came so you'd have life in heaven, but also you'd have life on earth. I came so that you could have a joyous disposition. In John 15, he says, I came that you might have joy and that my joy might be made full and complete and overflowing. But you and I will never be able to walk in that disposition of joy if we don't learn to possess an attitude of gratitude. That some of us are out of alignment because we have allowed our circumstances to determine our attitude. What if I told you that your attitude has less to do with your, with your circumstances and more to do with your focus? What if I told you your attitude has less to do with circumstances and more to do with focus? Believing God, trusting in God, has less to do with circumstances and more to do with where your focus is. Am I focused on what's happening around me? Am I focused on what I cannot control? Or am I believing that God is true? Am I believing that his word has never failed me? Am I, be am I believing that God is faithful? Because if that's happening, it doesn't mean that everything around me is going to go well, but it does mean that when things go wrong, it doesn't change my attitude of gratitude because God is good. It doesn't mean I'll always feel good, but I am clear that God is always good. It doesn't mean that I will always feel gracious, but just because it doesn't always feel like God is being gracious, I don't know what God is doing that I cannot see. So I will bring a grateful heart that even while I'm bringing my concerns to God, I'm also bringing my compliments to God because I understand that while I've got concerns about what this is happening over here and why this is happening over here and what's going on over here, I also got some things I need to say thank you for. Thank you for the ways you made. Thank you for the doors you open. Thank you that even though things may not be where I want them to be, things could be in a whole nother place, God, so I'm grateful. Thank you, Lord, that ultimately, even though I'm not where I want to be yet, you have brought me a mighty long way. Thank you that even though my kids may not be in the place I wanted them to be, I believe that you're a way maker, so I'm believing you'll make ways. Here it is. He says, rejoice, Lord, always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be made evident to everybody. New Living Translation says it this way, right? It says there, it says, let everyone say you are considerate in all you do. Because having an attitude of gratitude makes you considerate. See, because gratitude moves out selfishness. Gra gra gratitude moves out arrogance. Like gratitude, did you hear what I said? Gratitude moves out arrogance. But I'm just grateful. It doesn't mean I settle for anything, but it does mean I know God gave everything. And I don't mean I settle. It just means I'm clear. Gratitude moves out arrogance. Gratitude makes sure I actually practice true humility. True humility is not me thinking of myself in a less than secure kind of way. Humility is not me thinking less of myself in terms of who I am and what God gave me. Humility is being clear, whatever I am, whatever I have, 
God is the reason I have it. And an attitude of gratitude moves arrogance out of the way. It moves self-centeredness out of the way. It moves, it moves discouragement out of the way. It, it moves disappointment out of the way. It doesn't mean I don't feel the sting of discouragement. It doesn't mean I'm not bothered by disappointment. It does mean it keeps me out of falling into despair. Discouragement and disappointment are a failure of expectations being met. Despair is a loss of hope from those things happening. So I can be discouraged and not fall into despair when I'm grateful. When I have an attitude of gratitude, I recognize and realize God is still God even when things don't feel like they're going as well as they could. Am I, am I making sense? Let me know in the chat. Am I making sense? Did y'all hit that share button? He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Because the way I live my life matters way more than what I just say about my life. The way I live my life, what I do, how, how I show up matters way more than just what I say about my life. He says, let everyone see you are considerate in all you do. Because the Lord is coming. It says in verse 6, though, it says, don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. Don't be anxious about anything, but pray in everything. Because here it is. I just told you that your attitude has less to do with your circumstances and more to do with your focus. So Paul is saying in Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6, your attitude your disposition can adjust in terms, of your, in terms of your angst when you recognize and realize God is still in control. That some of your angst is because you aren't praying accurately and you, know, you aren't praying accurately. You're not praying, believing by faith that the God you're talking to is listening to you and is able to move on your behalf. When you go to your loving father, it says we ought to go to God like, like, like children going to their loving father, that we ought to possess a childlike faith. And for those who have, who, those who have uh, seen a child with a present active father in their life, they believe daddy can do anything. Do you go to God? Like you believe he hears and answers prayer. And if you don't, and if you struggle, and if you wrestle with that thought, I'm going to contend. I'm not judging you. I just want to help you. I'm not judging you. It's possible you're out of alignment. And it's possible it's because you've been lacking an attitude of gratitude. Because when I stop, think back, and reflect long enough, it is illogical for me to doubt God. And when I say it's it becomes illogical to doubt God, it's because God's past performance gives me present and future hope. That's, that's When I look back over his track record, he has never failed me because God is faithful, period. He has never left me. He's faithful, period. He's always made ways. So I recognize and realize that some of my angst, some of my concerns, some of the things I'm worried about, here it is. Worry is worshiping the wrong thing. Worry lets me know I'm focused on the wrong thing. I can either choose worry or worship, but I cannot choose both. Both cannot exist simultaneously. And here, and here it is. I told you. 
attitude, less of my circumstance, more do my focus. Here it is. Be anxious. Don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. I'm praying about it when I have an attitude of gratitude because I understand that God can change it. So, tell God what you need. Thank him for all that he's done. Some of you should really say it this way. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Let your request be made known to God. Supplication, thanksgiving, recognition. It's making it clear that you are, you are aware that God is God and God is good. So I can praise God in the middle of what I'm going through. Not because I'm not going through, but an attitude of gratitude. Reminds me that wherever I am, God is with me. An attitude of gratitude lets me know if he gave me this day, this is the day. that, the, Like the psalm writer said, this is the day that the Lord has made. And I got to rejoice and be glad in it. An attitude of gratitude. An attitude of gratitude lets me know that no matter what I may be up against, God is God. God is God. God is good. God is God. God is faithful. An attitude of gratitude lets me know that whatever I'm asking for, I'm not just asking for it because it's on a wish list. I'm asking for it because I believe God is faithful. I believe that God hears and answers prayer. Are you out of alignment? Are there areas of your life where you're out of alignment? Is your spiritual life out of alignment? Is your relational life out of alignment? All of these things will throw you off. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God. That as you come into alignment, as you realign, you experience some change. That an attitude of gratitude brings change into your life. That an attitude of gratitude positions you for the flow of God. An attitude of gratitude positions you for the peace of God to be transferred. An attitude of gratitude positions it in a way where you're coming to a gracious, loving father who is faithful. And when you're trading in your problems, you're exchanging your problems for his peace. So instead of you driving the car so rugged and rough and steering and trying to do this here, let me put it this way. You will never drift in the right direction. You will never drift in the right direction. Andy Stanley writes in one of his books and says that it, that it is direction and not intention that determine the destination. This is the same thing that Paul is attempting to articulate here. He says that as you do this, when you're not anxious about anything, but you pray about everything, you'll experience the peace of God. It's the peace of God that transcends, that transcends all understanding. It will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. And as you do this, here it is, because some of you are asking, like, how? You try to figure it out, like, okay, you, you like me, you tactical, you practical. It's like, okay, I hear this, this is good, this is inspiring, but where's, where's the transformation? Where's the application? It's right here in verse number eight. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, one more thing. One more thing. Attitude of gratitude, bring your life into alignment. Here's one more thing. Fix your thoughts on what's true. Whatever is true. Whatever is noble. Whatever is honorable, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. 
He said, the way you bring your life into alignment to allow God to keep you in alignment, to experience the, 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 the benefits that flow through alignment. You can't have peace without alignment. You can't have peace without alignment. You cannot experience peace without alignment. What are you thinking about? Have you ever thought about what you're thinking about? How are you, have you ever thought about what you're thinking about? He says, are you thinking about what's true? Are you thinking about what's honorable? Are you thinking about what's pure? Are you thinking about things that, are you thinking about things that are praiseworthy? He says, I'm not surprised if you're out of alignment, if you're not thinking about things that are praiseworthy. If your mind ain't right, I'm not surprised you're not right. An attitude of gratitude. Paul continues on. In this same writing, and I don't, I don't have time, so let me just give it to you quickly. He continues in his writing by making it clear. Your attitude has less to do with your circumstances. It has more to do with your focus because your attitude can change just like circumstances. So I got to be more focused on God than on my circumstances because my attitude can change just like my circumstance can. Your circumstance can change. Paul said, listen, I don't want to be abased and be abound. I'm going to be up and be down. So I'm going to focus on God because God's going to see me through whether it's good or bad, whether happy or sad. He's able to, to work all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Attitude has less to do with circumstances, more to do with focus. Attitudes can change just like circumstances. Attitudes can be improved, but we learn the secret. Attitudes can be improved. Your attitude of gratitude can change overnight if you learn the secret. Here it is. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, he says, I've learned the secret of being content. I learned the secret of trusting God. I learned the secret of an attitude of gratitude. Because I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. I cannot be anxious about the things I used to be anxious about because I recognize and realize I can do anything through Christ who gives me strength. doesn't mean I will do everything, but it means I can do anything through Christ. Through, through his strengthening power, I can do it. So I got an attitude of gratitude because even just because I haven't done it doesn't mean I can't. Just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it won't. But the secret is trusting God. The, the secret is God's power. The secret is this God factor. Do I have an attitude of gratitude that recognizes and realizes I am where I am because of God? And I'll get to where he wants me to go because of God. He's going to use my hands to do it, but, he's gonna use, but, he's, but it's his power working behind my hands. Did you hear, catch what I just said? Because some of you all think you'll just pray about it and it just happens like magic. God is not a cosmic genie. He doesn't just happen by magic. He uses your hands because faith without works is dead. But, but faith, faith without works is dead. You, t you, show, you show your faith with what you do. You pray about it, then you go to work. Hello, you here in the chat? Let me know you're still with me. Hello. Attitude has less to do with circumstances, more to do with your focus, because even attitudes have to submit to the strength of God. Attitude of gratitude, a thankful heart. You got to guard. You got to guard it. You got to guard your attitude. You got to guard your mind. You got to guard your mind. If you can get your mind out, you can get your life out. All throughout the Bible, the Gospels or the Old Testament, New or Old Testament, the people you think about that were the most grateful. The people you think about who, who have positioned their heart in alignment with God, they did not do everything right. 
they they did not do everything right. They did not live a sinless life with the exception of Jesus. But because they remained in alignment with the attitude of gratitude, they experienced the fullness of what was possible with them, through them, and for them because of their attitude of gratitude. I'm reminded of the lepers in Luke chapter 17, I think it is. It's 10 lepers. They come before Jesus, and Jesus said, listen, I want you to go show yourselves to the priest. And as they go, as they're on their way on this journey, it says, as they go, they're healed. One of them recognizes he's healed. He comes back to Jesus and says to say thank you. As he's saying thank you, Jesus said, wasn't there 10 of y'all? What are the nine at? He said, this one right here, this one's from Samaria. This one, this one ain't even, this one ain't even from the culture. This one, this one shouldn't even be, this one should be, this one shouldn't even be the one I expected to be thankful. But since you had enough sense to come back, your faith has made you well. So he was healed and not well. He was healed and still didn't have peace. Jesus gives him, Jesus gives him something else that the others didn't get because he said thank you. Now, I'm not a prosperity preacher, but I do believe God wants us to prosper. And is there some stuff you don't have? Because you don't have an attitude of gratitude. It's because you were because you settled for what he gave you and didn't come back to say thank you. And thank you always makes room for more. The other nine didn't get what was possible because they did not have an attitude of gratitude. And a grateful heart, a grateful mind. Is a, is a mind that can be trusted, is a heart that can be trusted with more. Lord, you've been so good. I'm a steward what you gave me. Lord, you've been so good. I'm going to handle it correctly. Lord, you've been so good. I dare not take for granted what you gave me. God, you've been so good. I dare not take for granted the life you gave me, the breath you gave me, the opportunities you gave me, that, that attitude of gratitude. God, you trusted me with this trouble. That's a mature believer. God, you trusted me with this trouble. You wouldn't have gave me this trouble. You wouldn't allow me to be going through this kind of trouble if you didn't believe I could come out of it. So, I, so I'm grateful for the chance you gave me to grow through this. David says in Psalm 119, I think it is, the more I was afflicted, the more I grew. I learned your statues while I was going through trouble. Because here it is, family, and I'll let you go. I had to pick this up some other time. Let me, I'll let you go. You don't develop endurance without enduring. You do not develop endurance without enduring. The only way you're able to run long distances is by running long distances. The only way you develop an attitude of gratitude, the only way we really know how grateful you are, is a daily decision to remain in alignment when life, when the wind starts blowing. Can you still trust God? When life is less than ideal, are you still grateful? Are you still looking for him? Are you still praying to him? Are you still talking to him? Are you still bragging on him? Are you still clear that he is faithful? Period. A life. A life of thanksgiving. Not a day of thanksgiving. A life of thanksgiving. Psalm writer says, let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Let us enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise, being thankful unto God and blessing his name. Attitude of gratitude. I'm trying to tell you, 
You can rejoice. I, I can rejoice in the Lord always. When, when I'm brought back into alignment, you're waiting for that fatigue. Is it possible the reason you have not been able to recharge is because you're out of alignment? And so you're, you're looking for rest and reprieve from what can only come from God. And because you because you're out of alignment, you can't experience the peace that he's attempting to give you. God ain't broken. He's not broken and he never left you. So if there's a breach in between it, it's possible that you stepped out of alignment. But today is the day you can come back in. Today is the day you can make a decision. My life is coming into alignment with everything. God has for me. I'm praying, I'm believing, I'm possessing, I'm confessing, I'm speaking. I'm going to put into practice an attitude of gratitude. I want to challenge you to take some time this week, today even, to, to look at your life. And I know there's some things that aren't, aren't ideal. I know there's probably, there probably some stuff that you're like, oh, I, I don't like this. But can you look back and see the things that God has done? See the things that God is still doing? make a decision you know what until i figure out this other stuff i'm at least i'm gonna remain consistent in saying thank you because if you did that ty tribute said if you did it before you can do it again same guy back then same guy right now same guy back then hebrews 11 hebrews confirms it it says he is the same yesterday today and forevermore he's the same god An attitude of gratitude bring your life back into alignment. So Father, we thank you for who you are, what you're doing. We pray that we will steward the opportunities before us. Pray that ultimately you will lead us and guide us and direct us as only you see fit. We're thankful. We recognize and realize we've gotten distracted by the things of life, the circumstances of life. But today we, we, we look to you, we lean on you, we depend on you, we say have your way. Help us this week to focus on things that are noble and honorable and trustworthy and pure and of a good rapport. Help us to remember who you really are instead of focusing and listening to the lies of the enemy. Devil, you have no power over us. Over us. We, we, we do like your words in 2 Corinthians 10. We take captive every thought and every scheme of the enemy. We believe the best is yet to come. We're thankful. With the heart of thanksgiving and a mouth filled with praise, we say thank you today. Have your way in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.